What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I want to tell you guys about a brand new podcast coming to our luminary slate called Sonic Boom. For more than four decades, the Seattle Supersonics were among the NBA's most iconic franchises. But in 2008, they packed their bags for Oklahoma. Hosted by the Ringer's Jordan Ritter-Kahn, Sonic Boom tells the story of basketball and politics, wealth and power, and reveals new truths about the NBA's greatest heist. You can find the eight-episode documentary podcast exclusively on Luminary starting October 3rd. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lund. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker, and joining me is my dear, dear, longtime friend and the co-host of uh, the other podcast I do, The Press Box, Brian Curtis. How you doing, man? I, I feel like I went from the outhouse to the penthouse. <laughs> I didn't realize you had your own dedicated studio here to The Masked Man, the <laughs> exactly. ring ropes and the vintage posters. Wow. Yeah. yeah this soundstage costs a pretty penny. Um Listen, I, I've been trying, we've been talking about you coming on the Masked Man show forever because the only, I mean, I've said this over and over again. You're not the reason why I got into wrestling. I got into wrestling. We both got into wrestling before we met each other, but you're probably the reason that I was still in wrestling at the time, into wrestling at the time that I started writing about wrestling because we lived together for years on the, in Manhattan and Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, before we realized that you were allowed to go to bars on weeknights when we were looking for things to do. Uh, we were we often found ourselves watching professional wrestling because that's what we used to do. I think you should be honest with the people. We knew we could go to bars on Monday <laughs> nights. We just didn't have any money. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, so we we met in high school. A lot of people have heard the story, and basically, as soon as we both get our driver's licenses, we took a car trip to the Sportatorium in Dallas. Uh, we were in Fort Worth for high school, and uh, again, in lieu of a date, yes, yes we went and to then, a wrestling show, and that that that's that's some that's some idea of where we came from here. Um, we did sustain each other's fandom, yeah, in a wonderful way, and it was like you know living with somebody like you who was like ready to watch wrestling on yeah, Monday yeah. nights and beyond. Order some Domino's or pizza or some Pizza Hut or whatever, and, and great, get, a, get a pint of Ben and Jerry's if we could afford it, and <laughs> two turn pints, on wrestling. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and and that's sort of how. For a lot of people, wrestling goes. Now, the, 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 our path diverged um, because you got married and I found a part of a career writing about professional wrestling. Um, I, you know, obviously kept we, up. We were still friends, just There's, FYI, yeah. during this <laughs> yeah. period. You watched, you watched less and less. Occasionally mm -hmm. would watch some if you were just like coming over to, you wanted to have fun on a Sunday night. But you're not really an up-to-date wrestling fan. I'm a lapsed wrestling fan. Lapsed wrestling fan, which is very important right now. All of that is preamble because we're in a brave new world of professional wrestling. And there are a whole lot of people that are lapsed fans that are saying, what is going on with pro wrestling? And why should I care about it? Or should I care about it? Or can you explain it to me? 
Um, and that's why you're on the show right now because you are the stand-in for every lapsed fan in the entire country. And for all you diehard fans, don't stop listening right now. There'll be plenty of fun for you along the way. <laughs> um, but, I, I'm the guy wearing an Austin 316 shirt or an NWO <laughs> shirt going, is this still a thing? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the answer is kind of yes, right? Kind of yes, because we can never let go. I mean, for a couple of reasons. We can never let go of the past. All those things are still uh, more highly rated on the WWE network than like current content is. And because of uh, because through the wonders of, you know, HGH and TRT and all kinds of other things, <laughs> the, the wrestlers of our youth look even better now than they did when they were when they were wrestling. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, those are those are still things. And also, you know, I think I mean I kind of alluded to this, but but we're always into, I mean, the the legacy T-shirt market, the vintage, the 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 throwback look is always is always strong, and never more so now than in a world where we're just thirsting. We thirst for the Monday Night Wars, for those glory days where you had to toggle between WWF and WCW just to see what was going on on both shows. And uh, and now we're, you know, there's the scent that we're kind of back there again. Yeah, and, and that's really my first question for you as a lapsed wrestling fan. So there are Wednesday Night Wars <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to the Wednesday Night Wars. Get ready for the, uh, the documentary about it in 10 years on the WWE Network. Yes, so... There are uh, there is a new thing I and mean, there is a new competition going on on Wednesday nights in the pro wrestling world. Two shows going head to head, and neither of them are Monday Night Raw or even SmackDown. Um, so, long story short, Tony Khan, who you probably know by name and reputation, sure. if not by you know some other means, is son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, himself, he he is technically a co-owner a of co -owner, the Jaguars, yes. but, but he's the son of Shad Khan, who was a longtime owner and very wealthy person. Tony's a lifelong wrestling fan, decided he was going to start his own wrestling company, teamed up with Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and started this, this endeavor, uh, and Kenny Omega, I should say. And they started a new company called AEW, All Elite Wrestling. They get, on, they get a TV deal with TNT. There's wrestling back on Turner Television. In case you don't know, you, you didn't immediately click to, you know, that you didn't immediately recognize what that means. They have Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone on the, in the announce booth. Wow. Uh, <laughs> now, wait, wait, wait. Stop right here. Does Tony Schiavone still have the same haircut? Tony Schiavone looks like he's been pickled and preserved. He looks exactly <laughs> the same, except he has a beard. Oh, wow. Which he had, he briefly had a beard, I think, at some point in his, in his pre, uh, in his career, but not, but not in his heyday, obviously. Um, I always felt like he and I went to the same barber. I think that's you know we true. went in and didn't you didn't even tell the barber what to do they just started cutting the hair yeah they're like that's a number one <laughs> right we both got the I still have the number one yeah uh, Tony still has that too um, so it's him and Jim Ross and as a nod to sort of the modern era the third guy in the booth is a is a ex wrestler named Excalibur who runs uh, PWG Pro Wrestling Gorilla or helps run it which is a big LA based indie uh, Excalibur is a wonderful fellow. Um, who an incredibly talented announcer and and but anyway he's so that's I think that's pretty much in in a capsule what what AEW stands for it is the legacy of the NWA both in terms of grit in terms of reality but in term but but more metaphorically in terms of like the opposition to WWE but it's so it's like a a, a lot of that maybe one or two parts that and one part very ultra modern uh indie style japanese style wrestling where guys are doing like absurd acrobatics um 
it's a little bit postmodern in the wrestling style where it's like we're going to do crazy moves and and everyone's going to kick out of our finishers 500 times. It's like the opposite of old school and old school smushed together in this anything that they're not, we are sort of identity. Um, and the first episode was last night. Yes. And, uh, and it was awesome. Now, going head to head with that because WWE... Uh, despite the fact that neither party says they're in competition, WWE is like, we will destroy anything that smells like competition. They put <laughs> their own minor league show, NXT, which was the gym of the WWE network. They took it off the network and put it on U the USA network. So it's on broadcast too. So now USA, TNT, these two shows are going head to head. It's sort of a proxy battle for like the future of wrestling. These two shows don't, I mean, at least NXT doesn't matter. NXT could score, could, could not, no one could watch it. And that would barely affect WWE's bottom line. They're getting 90 or 100 million dollars or something to put this show on t on the air. It's not, I mean, it's not, not pocket change, but what really matters is the giant contracts they have from Fox where SmackDown is starting tomorrow night and uh, Monday Night Raw on, U on USA from NBC Universal. So um, NXT is an incredible product, probably some of the best stuff WWE puts out, but it's like discernibly like the third show um, AEW is nowhere near on the level that Raw or SmackDown is in terms of talent production expectations. Um, but the debut show did a really good rating. Uh, it did better than NXT. And NXT, AEW put on sort of a pretty good introduction to the product show, but not like the best show they could have put on. NXT put on a pay-per-view caliber show based on their roster and got smoked by AEW in the ratings. So... The gauntlet's been thrown down. Thrown down. We have the, this new Wednesday Night Wars. Like I said, this is a proxy battle. If yeah. if, if AEW is going to be competition, eventually they got to take on one of the big shows, presumably. But but that's a long way away. But do you just as a dumb guy question here? I I remember the glory days of Raw and Nitro going head to head. Mm -hmm. But do you have to go head? What if I just said I'm going to put my wrestling show on Thursday well, and I'm going to get all the fans to watch it? I guess you're right. I guess the question is. A lot of people were asking that, and then WWE said, well, we're going to put a show on the same time as yours no matter what. Now, this obviously harkens back to when the NWA started trying to do pay-per-views, when WWF in those days, Vince went to all the cable or the, the pay-per-view providers and was just like, if you put their show on, you never get my pay-per-views again. <laughs> you know, that, that's, or, when he would, or when that's in where he would counter-program, he's like, I'm just going to put a show on free television the night you try to do your free pay-per-view. I mean, your, your pay-per-view. Um, Vince is well healed in this sort of, you know, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> combat, um, and and so you know what? I guess the, I guess your question is legitimate, but like WWE is going to come find the battle wherever you, regardless of whether or not you're trying to go head to head. So maybe the answer is the safest thing you could do is almost deliberately go head to head with them. You 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 know you do the, you fight on your own terms rather than them coming to find you wherever you decide to set up shop now. You're right in the sense that, like, we have DVR now. We have cloud DVR now. We have, you know, everybody and their mom has three screens they could be watching on at the same time. You, it is not necessary to have a, a old remote control and to be, like, hammering the last button or the skip button to figure out what's going on in two shows at the same time. But that's it. And so I would, I would think it matters less than it used to matter. Yeah, I guess just one, one thing that's always funny about the Monday Night Wars to me is you had what looked like two really successful promotions. And I know salaries get out of hand and all that stuff, but you have packed arenas. Yeah. And if you think about it, like Jay Leno was number one in the ratings or mm -hmm. Stephen Colbert now, but the number two and number three shows are still on the air. 
Yeah. Because they make money. Yeah. And it seems like you could just make money in lots of different wrestling. There'd be an an appetite. Obviously, there's an appetite for this stuff, not on a gigantic, super gigantic level, but on a, you know, let's watch TV and have a fun night kind of level. It's true. I think that you, I mean, you remember from your days of wrestling fandom that like you can dip in and dip out, but really just like with any other fandom, there's an expectation of sort of being a completist. And it's hard to, it, it's, it is hard to just have one show that's your show. It's hard to, you know, to skip every, you know, just to dip back in week after week because it's, it's storytelling. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you could just watch a little bit. You, you could be a sort of part-time fan, but at this point, there's so much stuff on TV. I mean, there's wrestling. Like now there's, there's so many wrestling programs now that we have to watch that being a wrestling fan, if you watch it all as a full-time job and rest and AEW and WWE, that doesn't even take into account that like New Japan wrestling is on an impact wrestling. These things are available to American audience. These are on every week too. So like there's so much wrestling to watch that you don't have to take sides, but like if you want to have a life outside of watching professional wrestling in your living room, then <laughs> you kind that? of have to take sides. You yeah. Know? And that's a totally different media universe than it was 15 years ago. It is, it is. And 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 sort of related to that, I was talking to our boss Bill Simmons today, and he said that I'm, I don't even know if I can if I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna cast the die for him, but he said that they were watching last night, they're watching NXT and AEW and his son Ben, who's what, 10 years old has already like formally made a decision. He's like, I'm out on this one. I'm in on this one. Oh, wow. Don't show me that other one anymore. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, I think that there, that, that even people that have never heard, that never, under, no, never lived during the Monday Night Wars understand that there's like a choice to be made. So <laughs> that's pretty epic. Anyway, uh, you know, a quick review. I mean, I mentioned it. NXT was fantastic last night. Every match was really good. AEW, I I would thought they could have come out more. I thought I thought they they underachieved a little bit. If I was if I was them booking their first night, I would have come out of the gate with they have a couple of tag teams like the the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros who are just they are the epitome of everything you don't see in WWE. You know, week to week, and they and they they kind of undersold what their differences were in that way. And do I discern from online that some people were underwhelmed that Jack Swagger was the <laughs> surprise? You mean Jake Hager? Who Sorry, that? Jake Hager, yeah. former <laughs> Jack Swagger. No, who's Jack Swagger? Jake Hager was the surprise rather than CM Punk or somebody else. Was CM Punk, yeah. I mean, see, I don't. CM Punk was never going to be there, but I think that it's important that he wasn't. That we can start. We can continue to put that that specter to bed. I'm of two minds about the Jack Swagger, Jake Hager thing. One, first of all, Jake Hager. Is it a better name yeah, than did, Jack Swagger? Didn't I buy a like a nice you know button down cotton shirt at Jake Hager? Was it, was it that next uh, Banana Republic at the it's mall? Funny, yes, I'm pretty sure that's Jake. But uh, he. Uh, Jack Swagger sounds like body spray. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, it should be body spray. WWE, if you're listening. Um, that's what they should do. Whenever they sell the copyright to somebody's name after they leave, they should just convert it into a totally different property. <laughs> Instead of having like yeah. fake cane and fake diesel, I mean, fake uh, fake razor and fake, and fake diesel, like back in the day, they should just have like, just make like, Razor and Diesel, the name of like, uh, like, like a pajama brand or something like yeah. that, or just These like actually just all sound like body sprays, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Razor and Diesel yeah. makes you smell like a man. For a nice night on the town, you pick Diesel. The guy that played Fake Razor died recently, by the way. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, Fat Razor. <laughs> he was great. Um, yeah, people were mad that, that, that it was Jake Hager, or some people were. I think that part of the deal was that they made it seem like a giant swerve at the end. You know, they were just like, holy shit, look who it is. Um, and everyone was like, yeah, we remember that <laughs> Imagine guy. Imagine that in a wrestling yeah, show. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't that big of a deal or whatever. But 
there was something kind of kind of sweet and old school about just like this is what we got and we're gonna we're gonna pretend it's enormous. You know, it's just like what is what is Rick Rude doing here? You know, it's like Rick Rude doesn't wrestle anymore. Why does it matter? But like, it's just that this, you know, it, it means something that you that you have somebody surprising at all. And hit me up with this because I, I along with you, huge Jim Ross fans, consider him to be one of the great play by play men of he is of any era in any sport. Mm-hmm. Was he? Was he by godding it up last night when uh, Jake Hager modern, came out? Yeah, modern day Jr. is is kind of a sight to behold, or a sight to uh, something, whatever the hearing, ver- the oral version of that is. But the, uh, he's a little bit more. Well, he's always been very self aware, but he comes out off as more self aware. He's more humorous. He's a little bit more flippant. He's evolved, I think, a little bit with the times. And part of what made him so good in his heyday was that he was earnest to like to the nth degree absolutely right i mean just like to i mean to see someone get fake attacked and to say like by god that man has a family you know i mean it's just like (laughs) about as far as you can take it now he's a little bit more you know he's 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 more one with the self-awareness of especially the sort of indie wrestling side of the pro of the product but yeah he still uses his he still has catchphrases uh, he's still he's still very much the Jr. that we know and love, and you know when he's engaged with the product, he can still be really really valuable. It's interesting that they brought in Tony Schiavone to sort of run play by play, and they previously had a different guy in the booth doing sort of that role. Jr. is sort of morphed into more of a color man, even though he's still kind of ca- doing a lot of calling of the action, describing of the action. Um, he's not quite as fleet of foot as he once was. And so it's more about the shtick than it's about, you know, the the details. Yeah. It's like when they took Frank Gifford off play-by-play and made him an analyst on Monday Night Football. Exactly. I also read somewhere that, I don't know if you, how deep you want to get into announcers. You know I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. That Tony Schiavone kind of went away and I saw some tweet or something saying that he thought wrestling fans hated him. Yeah. That he was kind of like, you know, one of those guys who was on TV all the time, but wrestling fans never really liked. And so he was happy to be welcomed back I, into wrestling fandom. I got to tell you, uh, he's not the only person that thought that. I thought that too. I mean, the, 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 like the, the general thinking on Shivani was that he was... A Turner guy. Yeah. That right? he was just sort of a functionary. You know, I mean, I think most of the wrestling announcers that we ex- ex- were exposed to growing up were either these sort of semi the kind of bizarro icons you know the bob coddles of the world or whoever you had jim ross back in the day um or they were just like i mean local newsmen local car dealers like whatever who were thrown who were thrown sean the looney types yeah i mean yeah or or broadcasters yeah that's a professional broadcasters and that's what shivani was i mean he was hired just to be a broadcaster um he loved wrestling though so he so but but he i think that as with anything else um you know the 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 opinion on him sort of turned as time went on. With him, it took a little bit longer, I think, because he was known more as a punchline to the modern wrestling fan who didn't live through it. And then when people actually started revisiting his tape, they were just like, see how matches like, oh, he's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And there's been this litany of other announcers that have come since then, and you realize how hard the job is. You know, JR was there for so long. And then JR transitioned in WWE to Michael Cole, who was not as good and took a lot of shit of his own. But you kind of it was this sort of binary. A lot of the younger fans didn't remember what it used to be like. And now people go back and like, you know what? Tony Schiavone, not that bad. Of course, Mm -hmm. he came up, he did some work for MLW. He'd been doing baseball or whatever. But like, yeah, I think it's fair. It was a fair assumption on his part that wrestling fans hated him. Now they love him again. And and, uh, they love him probably in a way they didn't love him ever before. Um, 
he's good at what he does. I'm glad to see him back. Yeah, that's cool. That's nice to hear. Welcome back, Tony Schiavone. Welcome back. Welcome back, number one haircut. Yeah, he's really he's really good. Um, so yeah, so I mean AEW, I mean they came out swinging. The ratings have you know proven that they are a force to be reckoned with. The head, you know, the main dude there. I mean, there's a lot of people. I mentioned the Young Bucks, the Lucha Bros, but you know, Cody Rhodes is son of Dusty. Is like one of the real creative and and you know backstage forces there. And then their champion is Chris Jericho. Who I'm sure you remember. Yeah, I do. Chris Jericho is almost well. almost fifty, uh, sort of in a whole new phase of his career where he's uh, just sort of like built like a keg, and he has like his long hair is back, and he has like weird sort of face paint, but glam rock affectations and stuff. He's a, he's got a lot going on, um, but he's a uh, he's somehow just continued to reinvent himself, and you could tell he made the very deliberate move to jump over to, I mean, to, to go with the competition. He, he kept making comebacks in WWE. Every year or two, he would come back with a slightly new gimmick, a slight, you know, he get a short-term contract. But now he's decided, you know, that the move was to sort of stake his claim on this new company. And that's given it this sort of imprimatur of, of, of legitimacy. They had a lot of legitimacy. I mean, it's not like they were lacking for legitimacy, but he brings sort of that, you know, it's not just that they have this character that people recognize. And of course that matters because they made him the champion for the first episode, but it's also that like somebody on his level who could have done anything made the choice to go with them. And that's really big. He's had a great career as a free agent, hasn't he? Oh yeah. Cause his, he went from here to here when he was Y2J coming over from WCW at the time to WWE mm -hmm. that very first time. Was that actually around the <laughs> Y2K Yes, it was right after, right? Yeah, it was, that was. I remember the countdown clock and everything, but he got more exciting because he was a free agent. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was kind of a mid cardy kind was, of like really cool mid card dude, mm -hmm. if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, who then, he, as, because he was a free agent, he was a hipster like, favorite in WCW. If that, that word didn't exist, you know, the usage didn't exist then. But yeah, he was the sort of guy that like diehards like me would have been like, he's the best guy. Why don't you give him the belt? But the answer is like, He's a foot too short back in those days in WCW. For sure. But then he made the jump and somehow you're right. Just by going, just by crossing that line, he became twice as big. And I'm going to like be on the mic against the rock and I'm going to mm -hmm. be on the mic against the other day. So it's interesting. He is still using free agency. Yeah. He always as had a way to get a, he always up had, in the he, world. he always had, in, even in the age where WWE didn't have real competition and you know, there was always TNA wrestling. There's always somebody um, but for years, there was no one that could pay you what they paid. But he always he always maintained leverage by hook or by crook. And for a long time, it was because he had this rock and roll band, Fozzie. Yeah, sure. And he could just be like, no, I'm good with taking a year off or taking forever off. I can rock. tour, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go do this. So then when he would come back, he would actually have leverage. He'd be like, no, I can go make a million dollars this year just by touring. Or you can pay me twice that and I'll come work for you. Um, and then he, went to, he worked in Japan for a while, right? But prior to AEW... Um, but always seemed to still have his, you know, relationship with, with WWE was still good. He could, he was always eventually going to go back. Um, but now, now he's the sort of face of their, of the opposition. You know, I'm sure he, the doors are still open, but, uh, uh it's wrestling. Yeah. No, no, in wrestling, everyone can always come back eventually and no mm -hmm. one ever retires. Those are the only two, two ironclad rules. Sometimes people retire due to injury. Who retired? Due to injury. Didn't even like Stone Cold Steve Austin has not come back since his retirement. But Shawn Michaels did did make did have a one match return. Yeah. But they but some of those guys have been on television, you know, as right. Oh yeah. No one ever disappears. Yeah. I except mean, for like 
Steve Austin's not like riding a lawn tractor around Brett Favre style. Well, he probably is, but then he also has a podcast and he's appearing <laughs> yeah. on TV and that kind that of shows, That is a reality show that is currently on television. <laughs> Steve Austin rides a tractor. <laughs> I want to see that. Um, and then NXT, which we won't spend too much time on, but it's it that's the WWE's, you know, formerly, like I said, the developmental territory. But now they're just like headlined by all these guys who are just gigantic indie stars. WWE brings them all into the fold. And they had been bringing indie stars in the fold over the years, sort of against what people thought was the WWE system. You know, normally the WWE, you, when you think of a WWE developmental guy, you think of a young Randy Orton or a young Batista or like whatever, like sure. these guys who are just sort of muscle bound action figures Pretty who they teach to be wrestlers. Already, yeah. Yeah. And then, but then they, they get these guys who are basically already hardened professionals, but they're not quite. They're, but they're more of like the road warriors. They're more serious about their pro, of their craft in a lot of ways. They're more they're, they have a, they come from a different space. And and for some guys like Kevin Owens, they've become big headliners on the main roster. For some of the other guys, they kind of found a home in NXT. And now that NXT is on on TV, uh, on broadcast television or on USA, it's gonna be it's this kind of its own thing. So and, and I think the anchors are the guys that we already see there, the, like Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, who were like these guys who were wrestling in, you know, auditoriums and gyms and whatever else a few years ago. Now they're they're the face of this sort of insurgent WWE's WWE's third brand. But really, for for the past couple of years, they've been the biggest competition to Raw and SmackDown. Even though it's an in-house brand, it's run by Triple H. It's a separate entity within WWE. And for diehard fans like me, you could say, hey, Raw might have sucked this week, but at least we got NXT. You right. know. And now, now NXT is part of the, you know, the 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 public universe too. So, you know, our favorite indie rock band just signed to a major label, I guess. <laughs> that makes total sense, and it makes sense. It always it always seemed like there were even when I was watching as a fairly uneducated fan, it always seemed like there are more wrestlers in the universe than there were slots to put wrestlers on yeah. in the old days. Mm -hmm. And so it's cool that now there's just another vehicle. Well, all of that leads to SmackDown, which is debuting on Fox on Friday night, which is tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. You and I are going to go. We're going to go. It's going to be fun. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. But part of what makes this cool is this is there's so there's the Wednesday night wars, but the real battle for the existential future of pro wrestling is happening on Friday night. And it's basically WWE versus the rest of the things on television <laughs> and whether or not WWE can survive in Fox primetime or whether, you know, whether it's worth Fox's all the money Fox spent. Also, they're really divvying up the rosters between Raw and SmackDown since they're on different networks with different bottom lines and different interests. Yeah. So different talking about masters, yeah. talking about the number of slots that are available when when there's no when there's no hard roster split, you end up with like ninety percent of the same guys on both shows a lot of the time. This is going to be apparently a really hard split. So the mid card and the lower lower tier guys are going to get a lot more opportunity to rise to the top. One would expect. First of all, I can't wait to go. Yeah, I understand. There's going to be some kind of red carpet. Except blue, a carpet, blue carpet. Because SmackDown is the blue team. So the, or the blue, yeah, the blue show. We will not be on the blue carpet, by the way. But uh, we will be at the show. We'll be at the show. I can't wait to see it. I got some, uh, I was going to ask you about a few of the matches that are happening. Please. A few of the coming down. First of all, there's a Kofi Kingston accepts Brock Lesnar's challenge yeah. for the WWE title. So tell me about that one. It's left. So Kofi Kingston, who I'm sure you remember. Sure. Um, remember him as not a guy I saw as being WWE champion. Right. So he, uh, over the past few years, formed a stable called The New Day with two of the other guys, Biggie and Xavier Woods. They became sort of 
low key, like some of the most the most popular wrestlers in WWE. They were selling billions of T-shirts, making tons of cash, sort of happy to be in a sort of comedy role. They're all content to be there, so because without because they didn't want to rock the boat and mess up what they had. And they're all friends, and they like hanging out together and being able to go and do PR together, and you know, not sure. have to pretend that they're bitter enemies when they go to restaurants. Um, and they and so the New Day was was super popular, and then. Uh, what earlier this year um, they had this thing called the Elimination Chamber which you may or may not remember where a bunch sure. of guys vie for the number one contender they, they get to be in the main whoever wins gets to be in the main event at Wrestlemania and it was and this guy named Ali was in the match he got injured dropped out Kofi Kingston slid, slid into his place and so immediately Kofi assumes this n- very modern archetype of the sort of meta underdog the guy that does not have any reason to be there who we all love for some sort of separate reason and we want him to win because it's the the only like there's no real underdogs in pro. There's no there there. I guess we as fans in the modern age don't really buy into the storylines the way that you and I did as kids, right? We thought Hulk Hogan was an underdog when he had like six inches and a hundred pounds on the guy he was fighting. You know, we 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 bought into the storyline. But the only way you can really be a storyline, I mean, be an underdog in the modern era, is to actually not be supposed to win. Because we know it's all scripted, right? The sure. only so when Daniel Bryan made his ascent to the championship at WrestleMania 30, what made it so poignant was the fact that like everybody really believed that Vince McMahon and Triple H did not want Daniel Bryan as their champion. So that's what so so the crowd chants louder and louder in, in support of him. They push harder and harder for him to get that opportunity, and then when he gets it and when he wins, it feels like there was a real under there's a real like he really overcame all the odds to get this even though the fighting along the way was fake and we as fans own this in some way we have a we have we an, did this yes we did together this. so kofi kingston became I mean, just kind of jumped like like quantum leap style just materialized into that role when he was in the in the match the fans went ape shit for him he won the match he won the championship at wrestlemania and has kept it this entire time and and it, just to prove that it wasn't a one-off, he's been hugely successful. Everybody loves him. He's defended the title a bunch of times. He gets a great reaction. He's a really, really fantastic champion. And then on some, and then to to kick off the first episode of SmackDown on Fox, of course, yes, Brock Lesnar makes his makes his return without knowing anything. I thought this was inevitable. Yeah, like Brock Lesnar will be on this television show. Brock Lesnar will definitely be on the show. The question is, will he win? So you can see a future in which f- the Fox execs are like, Kofi Kingston is exactly the kind of guy we want as the face of our of this thing we bought. Mm-hmm. You can also maybe more realistically see a world in which the Fox execs are like, we've heard of Brock Lesnar. We want him as our <laughs> champion. Now, I think it could kind of go either way, but I think the wide, the the, the expectation by most is that Brock Lesnar is going to win just to like entice those casual fans who may know him from the MMA world who you know uh, are more familiar with his with him than Kofi Kingston and they'll sort of reboot from there uh, there's a lot of different people they could have face off with them but but you know now can I ask a stop you and ask a question yeah. there wrestling fans are kind of pissy about Brock Lesnar right so does it come down to it all you take the belt off a fan favorite who's going to get everybody who everybody likes mm-hmm. and is going to get them to watch the Fox show every week. Yeah. And put it on a mainstreamy guy who the hardcore guys don't like as much. 
How does that how does that play out? What's the thinking there? I think there's a little bit of and to a certain extent, wrestling fans who even the ones who are kind of out on Lesnar have have given themselves over to this to him in this position. Now, okay. If he what the problem with Brock Lesnar is not Brock Lesnar. He's a fantastic wrestler. He's a very compelling presence, everything else. But he's got a really minimal contract. He makes a whole lot of money to rest to, to show up a vanishingly small number of dates. To be, he's barely he's not it's not like he doesn't even wrestle. He's not even on Raw. You know, I mean, he, he, he's he's on your television screen if you watch everything like eight times a year. So if, for, for that to be your world champion's workload, it gets a little bit boring, a little bit monotonous. And the entire storyline becomes, you know, Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins is like, or like shadow boxing, just waiting for him to show up so they can get a chance to dethrone him. And that gets really repetitive and boring, right? And the, they just kept going back to Brock Lesnar when there were so many opportunities to sort of let him do a different thing. But he can just do the kind of Undertaker job of coming out and just like destroying somebody for everyone's acclaim, you know. For, but, but like instead, Vince just kept handing him the title, and and it became just sort of confusing, confounding. Yeah, this this sounds like the wrestling I knew once upon yeah. a time. Yeah. So in, anyway, now if he wins, if he wins at SmackDown, I think it's about. Uh, I think we're a little bit oh, wrestling fans are a little bit open minded about what his how much presence he'll have on Fox, based on nothing. Maybe there's the feeling that he will. Um, be a little bit more present. Then maybe some new new uh, appearance funds will materialize. You know, in the in the yeah. Fox era, that will make him be around more. It's um, a big primetime show on yeah. a broadcast network. And and even if the whole point is Brock Lesnar's winning to get your, I mean, it could be as simple as Brock Lesnar wins to get your attention, and then at the pay per view on the following Sunday or a month later, he gets beat by somebody else who really kind of relaunches. You know, the the new era of SmackDown on Fox. Or it could be none of that at all. It could be that the belt stays on Kofi Kingston and some and they use some other machinations to keep Brock Lesnar from winning the title. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do because they have a lot riding on this decision. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, somebody else I thought would definitely be on this television show is The Rock. Now, what's The Rock been doing since I dropped out of wrestling? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He, uh, but I imagine for the WWE, just getting him into the ring, putting a mic in his hands and having him say anything is a huge deal and a marker that this is going to be a big show. WWE was very, I mean, very deliberately decided to have uh, this SmackDown debut in LA. And there's a lot of reasons why they did it. But there's, I think it's become, I mean, this is a, this is a bigger deal in LA terms than any Smack, I mean, any uh, SummerSlam that's been here. Like this is, like SmackDown on Fox is a hot ticket, is officially a hot ticket in LA. And people are, I mean, like we, you know, everyone that you talk to that's even a, a lapsed wrestling fan, a passing wrestling fan, they're all going to be there. They're trying to get there. Um, the Rock is one of those reasons why you have a show like this in LA. Because, the you know, if The Rock's in town, it's very hard for him to say no to like come show up and like, you know, do us a solid here. Yeah. With um, a blue carpet and tons of media and... Uh, so we'll see. I don't think there's any chance he's going to wrestle, but he, but if all he does is show up and just like yammer with the crowd a little bit, that'll be worth the price of admission. Right? I'm so there for that. Absolutely. Now I have Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. My know is Shane O'Mac. Yes. To put their careers on the line in a ladder match. Um, now I know Shane had kind of <laughs> stepped away or something, but, but this is amazing for me as somebody who kind of bailed in like 2008, 2009, because Shane McMahon is still jumping off ladders. That's his thing. Yeah. 
First of all, uh, probably neither of them are putting are actually going to have a career-ending moment in this match. <laughs> right. To, to what we said earlier about careers never ending. But yes, go ahead. Um, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon have been feuding for some time in a sort of in a sort of uh, you know poor man's Austin McMahon storyline. Shane McMahon is clear. I mean, is is the heir to the empire, the heir of record. You know, I mean, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, they're still around and, and sure. acknowledged, but. Um, Shane is just still like the rich, the rich kid, even though he's now probably 50 gray haired, weirdly in better shape than he's ever been in in his entire life and still loves to jump off. I can't believe it. When he made his comeback a few years ago, it was the biggest crowd pop you've ever heard in your life. To take his shirt off. No, no, no. When he came back. Oh, when he came back. When he came back from his exile. And it was Here Comes the Money. It was the same song. Yes. It was the biggest, is the most, it was, I've never heard a reaction like that. I mean, that seriously might be the biggest, the biggest wrestling pop of all time. It's 40. I mean, so I remember him from the era of when he, those guys in duck boots and, and khaki slacks came out with them. Oh, the Mean from Street the, Posse. Yeah, from the Mean Streets of Greenwich. Yeah. And uh, he had a little more hair, I think, but 49 years old and still jumping off ladders. That That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's his gift. You know, that's what he has to give all, all of us. So basically what happened is he came back and everybody was really excited. And then, you know, people get tired of him and whatever, but his, but his. It's not something you need to see every in, week. Instead of coming back and sort of becoming Vince McMahon. He came back and sort of became the Undertaker, where he's just like he, his role is to have a <laughs> have like a tent pole match at every giant show. Awesome! And inevitably, he will fall off something big, jump off something big, get knocked off something big. He'll do something really impressive, and uh, then he'll go back to being the sort of on screen authority figure that everybody loves to hate or hates to hate, whatever. Kevin Owens has been his foil for a long time. Kevin Owens is sort of brash, loudmouth, uh, like I said, former indie wrestler, but he's just like. He he wants Shane to stop being on television. He speaks for a lot of fans that way because Shane has taken up a lot of TV time, and uh, and so this is going to be this is a big this is a big match that sort of I don't know if this is going to be the end of this feud, but it's uh, this is a, they've been building to this for a while. I can't wait for that one. Oh, it's going to be fun. I got Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair to battle Sasha Banks and Bailey. Now I think I know just enough about wrestling to know that the women headlined WrestleMania. Yeah. Which is a huge change yeah. from when I bailed in wrestling a decade plus ago. Yeah. I mean, this story's been told many times, but uh, but it, it, suffice it to say that having, you know, only a few matches announced and one of them is like, you're basically the top four women in the company are in a tag team match. Um, this is a big look for them. It's also a big, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, they're having a draft the week after this and they're splitting up these rosters all four of these women will not be on SmackDown. Probably two of them at most will be on SmackDown. Now, okay. I mean, it's there, it remains to be seen who's going to be on which show, um, but this is a big platform regardless for Becky Lynch, who's, you know, incredibly popular. She she won the match at WrestleMania and earned it and has been top of the division, top of the company, basically, since then. In a lot of ways, she's a bigger star than uh, Seth Rollins, who is her behind-the-scenes and sometimes on-screen uh, fiancé. But they're the two champions, um, or two of the the top champions, and she's a bigger star than him in a lot of ways. But she's teaming up with Charlotte Flair in a sort of uneasy alliance against the villainous Sasha Banks and Bayley. Um, this one will be a whole lot of fun. These four can really all wrestle incredibly well. They're all very, very good at being professional wrestlers. And um, and just the fact that like 
you know the crowd's going to go nuts for this match. It's going to be really fun to see what the kind of opportunity they give them to to you know meet to 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 meet expectation. It's very cool to see the WWE, however, tentatively embrace 2019. <laughs> <laughs> baby steps, but we've come a long way, baby, since uh, a lot of really terrible things involving women in wrestling rings. Yeah, uh, I also see that Bailey, the the way she spells her name harkens back to the days of we're going to spell every name in the weirdest possible way so that we can trademark it. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely like the nails of occasion of, uh, of women's wrestling. No, um, from China to Bailey, a history of misspelled women's wrestling. There's also the, there, there, yes, it is the, it, there is the, the trademarking, the trademarking is I'm sure very important, but there's also the thing where it's like, if you have a single name and not, you don't have a last name, the first name has to be a little bit different. You know, you gotta, it's gotta be its own thing and, 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 and separate yourself from all the other Baileys of the world. So did I see Trish Stratus back in some form? Yeah, she came back a little while ago. She had a match against uh, Alexa bliss uh, when they were up in Toronto. Wow. Yeah. Trish Stratus. That's she's awesome. still, she's, she, she pulled it off. She still looks really good. Uh, the Finally, I got Roman Reigns, somebody who I've consumed through your writing and talking about. Yeah. Facing off with Eric Rowan. Did I say that right? Yeah. For the... Uh, for this, nothing. For this nothing. Is just, yeah. Uh, so Roman Reigns, uh, if you've read my stuff, you know, he's sort of, when he first appeared as part of the shield, people loved him. I mean, he was like this big, he looked like a, like a movie tough and, and fit that role. Um, when it became clear that Vince had designed him to be the next top guy in the company, everybody immediately soured on him, right? Because mm. again, it's like, we don't want the given. We want the, we want the real-life underdog. So he kind of became this totem for everything that was wrong with the company, despite the fact he was still cool and he was increasingly a really good wrestler and he was a, a great, like, he was a great face for the company. He was what they wanted him to be. And so we would always get booed. And at some point, even after he got good, he was getting ironically booed, like, or just sort of like, not ironically, he was getting booed even though we we liked him because booing was the cool thing. Booing Roman Reigns was the cool thing to do. Who does he, is there somebody he compares to? He's like John Cena. They want him to be The Rock, but he's never going to quite be The Rock. He's like John Cena in the sense that he's sort of inevitable and that be, that's become accidentally his defining characteristic. Gotcha. And Hogan was like that too, but that was in an era where we like appreciated inevitability. You know, we wanted to see Hogan definitely overcome the foreign menace. We wanted to see Hogan. Absolutely. But now it's like, you can't tell stories that way anymore. It's just, it's, it's anyway. So right around the time that it was at the tipping point of people hating on Roman, even though he was getting better and better, he got diagnosed with cancer and uh, went out for a number of months. And by when he came back, unsurprisingly, everybody was in love with him. You know, when he left, everybody loved him. You know, it was like, no, we like, there was this sort of gasp in the audience that wasn't just one of our heroes is sick. Uh, but it's, it was just like, oh shit, I wish I hadn't been booing. <laughs> you know, I feel really bad now. So he came back and, and he's kind of, you know, people are still a little bit on the fence, but they've done a really good job about keeping him away from the title picture, sort of le letting him be the big star without him being the center of gravity necessarily. And this is an offshoot of a storyline where, he was getting, he got mysteriously attacked backstage a couple of times. You may uh, hear some echoes of the wrestling that, that you watched back in the day. And it turned out to be Eric Rowan, who was the running buddy of Daniel Bryan. Okay. And they were bad guys. This is evil Daniel Bryan. Okay. With his evil, tough buddy, Eric Rowan. But it turned out Eric Rowan was doing this without Daniel Bryan's consent so or, or awareness. So Daniel Bryan sort of 
edged back to the good guy, the babyface category because he was just like Eric Rowan. I can't abide by what you've done. So what we're so on Sunday at hell. So and all this, the backdrop of all this, this coming Sunday in for three days is Hell in a Cell, and the, oh, and wow. on that pay per view there's going to be Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan versus Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, um, and. Who knows what's going to happen there? A lot of people have theorized that this is kind of resetting Daniel Bryan as a babyface for the new Fox era, but I'm not sure I buy that. I think that there's a lot that could go down. But, um, but anyway, this is this is Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns are two of the by far two of the biggest stars of the company, and Eric Rowan has turned himself from like a weirdo tough guy to a remarkably likable and compelling force on the sh- on, on in WWE. So I'm looking at him fun. right now. Yeah, I like the beard. His name kind of threw me a little bit because. That sounds like a name of a soccer player that Brian Phillips just wrote like 3,000 words about or something. Right. Eric Rowan. Mm-hmm. It just, it's a pretty pretty basic name, but, I, but, I, but I'm down. Okay, I'm down. I got it. So that's all we really know. Certainly there will be a lot more. It's also a SmackDown anniversary show. So there's going to be like legends coming back. Oh, um, love legends. Yeah, and, there's, and, 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 liter- and, and regardless, they have to make, I mean, regardless of the Lesnar-Kofi Kingston outcome, this is a huge moment for them because they're not going head to head with AEW. But like I said, they're going head to head with like, you know, the future professional wrestling. So like they, this is this is an enormous statement of night for WWE and for Fox. They don't want somebody going, where where's Tim Allen? You're yeah. going to get him back in here. <laughs> exactly. This is Fox, the network. They have to like there, there's there is a uh, the, the, my guess is that of all of that stuff we just talked about, we're going to leave talking about something that wasn't on there at all. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a big surprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole Fox part of it is fascinating to me. Yeah. Because Fox sells off their movie studio in the spring mm-hmm. and they regroup as a downsized company that everybody there calls New Fox. Yeah. And New Fox still has some comedies. The Simpsons is somehow still on the air, mm-hmm. <laughs> even more miraculous than wrestling still being on the air. Yeah. And, but it's primarily about sports. And then the first, and then they have all this money because they sold the movie studio. So, what are we going to do? We're going to go get Thursday night football, mm-hmm. and that's going to be big. We're going to own Thursday night as an NFL night. We've already got Sunday afternoon football. We've already got – they put Saturday afternoon football as a big thing now. Mm-hmm. And now the bridge between all those things is pro wrestling. Yeah. And WWE. Yeah, it's going to be – it's it's really wild. And you saw – I mean, we talked about this in the press box, which you can go listen to separately, but Sunday was one of the, weirdly one of the most – like just affecting days of my pro wrestling fandom because all over NFL football, there was like professional wrestling. Like they've been, they've finally been welcomed into the pop culture mainstream. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. So anyway, Friday night SmackDown is going to be, uh, this Friday is going to be just enormous. It's going to be enormous. And I think we'll see a lot of, especially with WWE or with NXT getting beat by AEW on their, the first night of the Wednesday night wars. I think maybe there'll be even a little bit more urgency in WWE, kind of mapping out the course of their future. It feels like a big deal too that one, it's on broadcast network, but two, it's just on free TV generally Mm -hmm. because so many consequential moments, and I say this as a lapsed fan, happen on pay-per-views and I'm on Twitter and I see that like 20 people I know are watching this. Mm -hmm. You know, Spencer Hall's in there and (laughs) you're in there and we could name all the usual suspects. But I feel a little divorced from it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, even if I wanted to watch this, I probably wouldn't get it together to subscribe and do all that stuff. Right. Now it's like, oh, this is on channel 11. (laughs) You know, this is, this is the easiest thing in the world to watch and consequential things are going to happen on not just on free television. 
Yeah, it's it's a really big deal. I mean, it's hard to avoid. It, I mean, it's sometimes, you know, you're flipping channels and you stumble across like Lucha Libre and you're just like, oh, I'm going to watch this for five minutes or whatever. But like increasingly with the, 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 we don't spend a lot of time watching like terrestrial television, at least not the way we used to. And certainly, and there's way more cable channels than there used to be. So it's increasingly difficult to like accidentally stumble upon Monday Night Raw if you're a lapsed fan, if you're Definitely. not. Because you don't flip channels anymore. You right. know, you know, you look through the guide, you know where you're going. This it's harder to avoid channel five or like whatever Fox is on, right? I mean, totally. that's kind of part as that's everybody's going to be on some level aware that this is happening. Partly because you said we're watching football, we're watching other stuff on Fox. Yeah. Can we do WWE free T or wrestling? Forget WWE wrestling free TV power rankings of all time. <laughs> do those late eighties Saturday night Saturday main events? That's event, still yeah. number one. Yeah. Just because of the just Are you holy talking about crap just like, nature, just that, networks only, like like the big yes. four. Yes. I would say like the rock hosting SNL has got to be. Oh in yeah, that, that was really big. I'm trying to somewhere. remember. Was there? Did they ever do a, a, anything else on Fox or NBC? Like in the in the Attitude Era, they must have done something, right? I bet we could find like a wrestler on a late night show that was a big deal, or a Steve Austin on a sitcom. Oh yeah, like the something. Ultimate Warrior on Arsenio Hall or something. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper. Sure that was Rowdy Roddy Piper. That was not network, dude. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper was on. The, was on the was on Johnny Carson, but it was when Joan Rivers was guest hosting. I remember that from back in the day. Yeah, I don't know. It's like most of them would be kind of Saturday night's main events, but I'd love to. I'd almost love to see that top ten because I think Fridays is going to be top three. Oh yeah, you know, it's something be, like that. It's going to be huge. And then you have like Hogan Andre would be on there on NBC. Yeah, but it's a pretty small list. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, wrestling has always been sort of the catnip of of you know cable. At first, when it was just like national television, but then it be it was it, it's really great. It was great for when national cable first started expanding because it's an easy thing to put on TV, and it's got a little built-in fan base and some energy or whatever. I mean, it it feels like a big deal. It's it's never been, you know, it it's always been a little bit too undignified yes. for like the networks to really call their own. I think Fox, in a lot of ways, is the perfect home for it. But it's pretty meaningful that they that yeah. they've decided to kind of put their stamp on it it fits perfectly into the expanded universe of bart simpson and al bundy historically. and cletus the robot and cletus the robot and terry bradshaw yeah <laughs> right <laughs> exactly um so yeah it's going to be very exciting now before we get before we say goodbye i mentioned that hell in a cell is on sunday wow all we really know about hell in a cell is that it's going to have um it's going to have daniel bryan and roman reigns versus rowan and harper as i mentioned Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks, who are the top two at this point. I mean, them in Charlotte, they in Charlotte are the top three female wrestlers in the company. So Lynch and Banks going head to head in a Hell in a Cell match, which is a big deal. Uh, the first time I think that women headlined in the modern day in the modern era was was Banks versus Charlotte in a Hell in a Cell match, I believe, at a previous Hell in a Cell. And then the other one is as we've talked about neither of these guys really tonight. Seth Rollins who is the champion, the universal champion, which which is the Raw championship. Okay. Um, against the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Now, you may be vaguely <laughs> familiar with Bray Wyatt, but the Fiend is a new incarnation of him that has this super creepy... Is that the guy that looks like Venom? No. That's, that? That's Finn Balor. Oh, sorry. So he just made his return from some time off and is now... But, he, but he's returned to the NXT roster, so he's doing his... He's taking his act to the sort of the NXT, the minor leagues to sort of br help bring them up to the major leagues. Is Bray Wyatt the guy who used to hold the lanterns and stuff? Yes. Okay. Bray Wyatt was the old like Southern fried uh, cult leader, um, Max Cady style. And um, 
he's gone through a couple of different, like vaguely similar personalities, but he's come back this time as a, he started off as a Mr. Rogers style children. I mean, in, in this latest incarnation started appearing in these Mr. Rogers style children's show segments <laughs> and eventually warped into like, so it's basically, he's become a split personality He's Mr. Rogers on the one hand and Michael Myers on the other. So when he shows up in the ring, he's got this mask that looks like skin, white skin pulled over his face. He's got skin tight suit on dreadlocks. Um, and he just like, it's the closest thing to murder you're ever going to see on television. It's, it's deeply disturbing everything that he does. In fact, wow. the first, the first question I got from Jason Gallagher, ringer staffer and all, and fellow lapsed wrestling fan who he's been watching more as his son has gotten a little bit older. The first thing Jason asked me when I saw him yesterday was, what do I tell my son? He's scared to death of Bray Wyatt. <laughs> um, I'm looking at a headline here. It says, watch the fiend Bray Wyatt give weather report on local Sacramento news. That was actually not the fiend. That was just Bray. There's a distinction. The fiend is in the mask. I'm pretty sure the weather report was done by just Bray Wyatt out of the mask. Oh, it, man. But anyway, he is the fiend. He's amazing. And... Um, for they, they've had a lot of kind of false starts with Bray Wyatt. This is their opportunity. I mean, they've they've rushed him into the main event scene very quickly, like old school wrestling villain quickly. Um, it would not surprise me at all to see him beat Seth Rollins and sort of have the fiend era begin in WWE. It's a throwback because WWE has been famously PG for a long time. This feels a lot like Ministry of Darkness era Undertaker. Ooh, there we go. Um, but also, you know, I mean. It's a, I mean, there, there's a lot of Undertaker in him, you know? I mean, they've been, he's been compared to the Undertaker forever, but there's just this just pure fear factor. It's really hard to wrap your mind around. Um, I like and, that. We need a little of that in wrestling. Yeah, but it's really disturbing too. I mean, it's it's not, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bold move by WWE who seems to have been content to sort of keep everything family, family friendly for a long time. I see that he was once billed from being from Snakebite, Florida. What? He was once oh, yeah. being snake bite. Are you looking at a picture of him right now? Uh, Are you yeah. looking at Bray Wyatt? Yeah, I am. Heel producer Jim just texted me or just DM me to say, um, you have to, to ask you to guess who Bray Wyatt's real life father is. It is a professional wrestler. Oh, wow. Okay. Just by looking at him. And this is, this is somebody from my era? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd know him. Um, he can't be Bam Bam Bigelow. Is he big? Was he big like Bray Wyatt? No, not particularly. No. I will give you a hint, though. Okay, he was a heel. This is kind of like David yeah, Shabaker. Exactly. Exactly. It was. Exactly. It was the most. It was uh, in the modern era the most villainous gimmick you could possibly imagine somebody having. <laughs> the most villainous gimmick. <laughs> it was played for played for comedy back in the day. Um, oh, it was like a banker. Erwin R. Scheister? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Speaking of 2019. There you go. Ray Wyatt's real name is Wyndham Rotunda, named after <laughs> Barry Wyndham, the son of Mike Rotunda, who's also known Holy as IRS. Holy crap. That is incredible. Yeah. Is IRS still with us? Yeah. Wow. Is hey. he might maybe we'll see him tomorrow night? Yeah, anything's possible. All right. Anything's possible. You might want to be, be around on Sunday. For I'm, I'm going to boo those bankers if they come out. Those guys have those guys have ruined the economy. Imagine if if I if Erwin R. Scheister came out against the Elizabeth Warren campaign. Oh, anyway. my, oh my God! Um, talking. Listen, uh, thank you for doing this. Do you have any questions before we go? Did we leave anything out? I I don't. I think I have a pretty good primer for tomorrow night. I'm still I'm still going to be whispering a couple of times to you and be going, oh, "Who's that? What's what's he doing here?" Um. Oh, one thing I forgot to tell you. 
that will make it feel like as much time has passed that you haven't missed anything at all. The big moment from Monday Night Raw, which set the stage for tonight, was Brock Lesnar coming out and attacking Rey Mysterio based with, for no reason and just beating the living shit out of him. That that makes me sound seem like I just woke up. Yeah, exactly. And just like hit my head and You've woke only, up like a week later. Yeah, you only took five minutes off professional wrestling. The, the biggest difference is... Uh, Ray's son Dominic tried to defend him and also got beaten up by by uh, Brock Lesnar and Dominic. I don't know if you have any recollection of the match of the feud in which um, Eddie Guerrero insisted that he was Dominic's real poppy. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Anyway, well, we we just went too deep. I'm, anyway, I'm out. We, I'm we, out. We, we were we were wrestling fans when Ray Mysterio's son Dominic was a young baby boy. Yes, and now he is a now is he he is of legal age to take bumps in a wrestling ring, Damn. training to be a wrestler of his own. But Rey Mysterio, still going strong, still looks as good as ever. And Brock Lesnar is still uh, destroying the Rey Mysterios of the world. Want to feel old? This <laughs> is Rey Mysterio's son taking bumps in a wrestling ring. Ain't that the truth? Well, listen, thank you for doing this. Anytime, I cannot wait for, mon- for uh, God, SmackDown so tomorrow. It's going to be a big night. It's kind of a big night, a reunion of a, a, a reunion on many levels. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can't wait for this. Everybody listening, watch, watch SmackDown. Of course you're going to be watching SmackDown. I hope you liked everything that happened this week, but I have a good feeling that something crazy is going to happen on SmackDown. Um, Thank you for listening. Brian, thank you for doing this. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley, who made a surprise appearance on AEW. Not really that much of a surprise. And beat up uh, Kenny Omega this week. We'll see you back here next week, Humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Mass Man Show. Holy shit, look who it is. By God, that man has a family.